Hey folks, do you like podcasts? Do you have hobbies? Well, here's the show for you. The Hobby Shop Talk Podcast. Featuring childhood friends and old school noobs, Luke and Matt. This is Matt, and this is the Hobby Shop Talk Podcast, episode 12, and I'm joined by Luke. And uh, today, I'm going to talk a little chew. I'm going to uh, talk about Z Nation. Not sure if you watched that, Luke. Also, I actually played some Magic uh, this time, so I have a little bit of that to talk about. Nice. So, like, chew like uh, tobacco chew? Do you start chewing? Uh, no, but, uh, I'd be curious what this guy sees if he did chew tobacco, and I'll explain that later. Yeah, and I'll be talking about the X-Men series, and then also the Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunter, which is the finale, which is issue five, which I picked up, and then also I picked up a new Milk Toast comic book that you'll be proud of. It's, uh, Deathstroke. Deathstroke Incorporated, so. I like Deathstroke, though. I'm okay with that. I saw it and I was like, and it was issue one. I didn't, you know, I haven't, I don't remember the last time I bought a new DC comic book, but issue one, so I figured I'd pick it up. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was on uh, Arrow, uh, the TV show I'd watched, and I believe Deathstroke was on there. And he always has, like, the art is awesome for Deathstroke. Yeah, I've always thought he was awesome. And, uh, yeah, he's pretty much, Deadpool's a ripoff of uh, Deathstroke and... Many ways. Now we're starting. Now we're starting already with controversy. <laughs> but well, also the the actor that plays Deathstroke. What's that dude's name? I forget the actor's name, but he actually plays Magic and Dungeons and Dragons. So it's something like Magnoli something. Anyways. All right. Well, let's start with Magic because I actually uh, played, and I think I've mentioned before. You know, I've. I put everything, I broke all my decks up, I put everything into the store, so I've really only been playing with my Goblin deck, and uh, two things, I mean, it gets kind of boring after a while if you're using the same deck over and over. The other thing is, is I was playing uh, against Ken first, uh, he had bought a, a pre-con deck uh, when he was at the store, and so kind of the other problem is, is uh, you know, it's a fast deck, so if you're playing somebody, you know, that's, they don't have speed in their deck, uh, it, again, it just makes it not so not so fun. So either way, the first game I did play him, uh, he used uh, Undead Unleashed, and that was from the Innistrad Midnight Hunt. It was one of the pre-con decks, and the uh, the commander is Will Help the Rock Cleaver. Uh, what he does is uh, it's a so it's two in a, a island and swamp it's whenever another zombie you control dies if it didn't have decayed create a 2-2 black creature zombie creature token with decayed where decayed is a camp block uh when it attacks uh sacrifice at the end of combat at the beginning of your end step you may sacrifice a zombie if you do draw a card um so obviously lots of zombies there's even a card in there that's like you know it makes 13 zombies or something <laughs> but uh so the first time we did play i played with my Goblin deck and it was just a little too fast. So I actually went and uh, opened uh, my own commander deck. And so I was just looking at some of the options uh, that I had in the store here. And I had uh, four from the uh, Adventures in Forgotten Realms options. So uh, just to have something different, I picked out the Planar Portal. uh, And that has Prosper Tomebound as its uh, commander. And so that's two and then a, a, a black and a red. And that's, uh, he's a tiefling warlock, and the art on there is awesome. Uh, But uh, it's got Death Touch and then Mystic Arcanum. At the beginning of your end step, exile the top card of your library, and until the end of your next turn, you may play that card. And then Pact Boom, whenever you play a card from exile, create a treasure token. So I haven't done a lot with exile besides exile creatures, so it was a whole new thing for me and a lot going on to try to remember that I could play those cards, you know, that are in exile and... um, but uh, I won the first game uh, against uh, two precons against each other. Uh, we played, uh, he played the zombies, I played my Prosper deck in the second game. But uh, I, I, it, I could tell it was going to take me a minute to, you know, to get used to the deck and the whole fact of exile and everything that goes on with that. Back in the day, exile was, it was gone for good. And, you know, now it's just starting to be like exile is just another 
graveyard essentially, you know, because when Magic first started, it was it didn't seem like there was much graveyard recursion. There was some, but then now there's a ton of graveyard recursion, and then also now they're starting to get exile stuff. But uh, yeah, I thought didn't didn't uh, Josh tell you not to get high off your own product, like in the episode we talked with him about, <laughs> and you cracked open a precon. Yeah, and everyone already opened a couple D&D things and uh, grabbed some dice because if you use that Forgotten Realm, it's like roll a D12, roll, you know, it's like you don't have those dice just laying around. So, yeah, I did crack a couple, but, uh, you know, the it, funny thing is, at first, I wasn't selling a lot of those pre-constructed decks, and then I think as soon as I opened it, like, I'm almost out of them now, so <laughs> I had some people come in and buy them, so I have a lot of new stuff coming, but um the other thing i'll mention i think i mentioned this to you and i'll, I'll let you talk after this one and I'll, I'll mention another game i played with that but the the first thing i noticed and then i noticed even more i'll talk about it again in a bit here but is that there just isn't a lot to, there isn't much of a and, and the big thing is and i'm sure there's gonna be if there is listeners out there right now that uh you know are familiar with the whole this deck or with exile they're probably gonna say well no this is the win condition but it just didn't see like seem like there was a lot of good ways for me to win the game. There wasn't like a lot of, you know, creatures to do damage or, you know, with the red, any kind of, you know, direct damage. And I don't know, there wasn't uh, a lot of offense. So that's the one thing I think I'm going to change is uh, I know it's great to have all those exile things, but it's like every card did that. And it's, you know, I'm exiling to use these cards that also exile stuff. And I'm like, well, I want to, you know, I need to get something in there that I can, you know, get out and defend myself or kill uh, so yeah. that's the one thing I, I am going to change is adding maybe some uh, direct damage, maybe some uh, destroy target creature with the black, and then maybe you know some other offense and take out a few of those exile cards. So uh, not sure if you're familiar with that deck at all or have seen it. No, I usually don't run those complicated decks because they're just annoying to read everything. So There's a lot going on. It's like you got to have is, a, yeah. I need an assistant to... Uh, to play, especially when I'm at the store, because I was playing when the store was open, so I had to keep getting up every now and then because it was on the weekend and it's been really busy the last two weekends, which is good. But you know, then I forget what's going on and I forget I got the cards in exile. But anyways, yeah, uh, what did you play? Well, I haven't played uh, actual paper magic just because uh, this last weekend we went up and visited my parents and sister up in in the UP. You better tell people what that is that are maybe if somebody had not. Oh, the upper peninsula of Michigan. So there's uh, the Upers are up there. But yeah, it's, it's really nice this time of year because, you know, the fall, the colors are changing and everything on the trees and very scenic. So anyways, we did that. But I did get a few games of uh, arena in and I'm just playing a lot of ranked standard, which like, you know, in the last podcast, I said it was is it dragon deck that was really really the top one so i actually i started throwing blue into my black and or no white and red deck just to get counter spells because i hate uh all runs epiphany like i was talking about last episode it resets every month so i'm probably not gonna have time to to get to mythic and it's just i mean it's fun playing competitive just because i'm a competitive person and i like to beat nerds at magic probably kids yeah exactly but uh, no, I probably won't have time to get to Mythic, but just because so busy doing other stuff. But that's, I've been playing a lot of Arena. The end of the month, so like it's the twenty seventh as we're recording this. Yeah, know, November first, it'll switch over. Yeah, so I don't know how many more wins I'd have to get to get to Mythic actually, but it'd be kind of fun to get some time. But also, I'm like, that's too much time invested. But you know, uh, speaking of Arena, I just thought of this. Uh... James, who um, I'm not sure if you met him, his family comes in, they play Pokemon, and uh, but he really is into learning some other, wants to learn some other games, and he's been interested in Magic, so he actually bought a pre-constructed deck from here. I didn't play him, Ken and him played. Uh, he had got, uh, I should have looked this one up, but I didn't, uh, the white and green commander deck that came with uh, Midnight Hunt. I actually probably have it here, but either way, he, he bought that, and... Uh, He's getting into magic, and he he ended up buying a bunch of packs and things, and is working on that pre-constructed deck. But the thing he mentioned the last time he was in is he started playing on Arena, and it's really helping him. He said because you know he's brand new to magic. He was here in the store playing with his son, and I was teaching both of them as they went, you know, a little bit. And uh, he joined Arena, and he said that's really been helping him learn the game and the different cards and come up with ideas for decks and. Uh, 
So yeah, I can see where that definitely supplements and, you know, that's where I'd point people if somebody's new to the game is to play on there. You don't have much to lose, you know, you get some free cards to start and teaches you how to play. Yeah, the one downfall of, of uh, Arena is it does all the steps for you, so like end of turn triggers and entering the battlefield triggers. You can turn a lot of those off though, correct? You can, but then like, I'm just saying when you start to play paper magic, I like, I still forget a bunch of, yeah, you yeah. know, like, oh, you get a plus one counter at the end of your turn on this creature if you do this. And then I constantly forget, or even oh, bring yeah, out okay. commander. I forget to bring out the commander. If like I'm doing halfway decent in a commander game, I just totally forget about my yeah. commander, which yeah. uh, still the newbie in me, I guess, but. But no, I, I said the same thing, especially with this deck where there was so much going on. I had like, here's my exile pile that uh, I can play till the end of next turn. Here's other exile. There's my graveyard. And then, yeah, you got your commander. It's like so much going on. I need to get, uh, I see some really cool game mats. I wonder, I'm assuming they have a game mat that actually lays out the board. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I mean, that's something that maybe when you're using a deck that has more things going on, that would be helpful because yeah it does get confusing with everything you have to keep up with and that's that is nice that keeps track of that you should just buy one for the store and you know let people that learn how to play use it well i actually uh to a game that was kind of cool that i'm getting from one of my suppliers southern hobby supply is a uh tournament bracket and it's on a game mat that was a kind of cool thing but uh yeah because we tried to we tried to do a tournament when i was up there was it two weekends ago now yep because yeah we uh we didn't end up one didn't end up firing off, but we uh, opened about 150 packs. So check out our Instagram because we uh, put a lot on there. Yeah, well, uh, the big one was the the uh, Phyrexian Vorinclex, uh, but foil, which is like around $140 or something. Um, I know I got another All Runes Epiphany, as you mentioned. Uh, what's the Yugen? Is that it? Uh, we got two of those. Is it uh, the Planeswalker? Ugin. Ugin. Yeah. yeah. Is that it? Yep, I was just trying to think. I can see, I can see my magic cards from here. But no, we had a we had a lot of good pulls. I mean, once I really looked through that, uh, but yeah. So you have to look at those on uh, Instagram. But we opened a it was a couple draft boosters because the noob in me it took a while to learn the difference between draft booster and set booster when I was ordering my cards. So we opened uh, Keldheim uh, draft booster, Zendikar Rising draft booster, Core Twenty One the set booster. And then, uh, because I hadn't been selling them until James recently bought a couple packs of the Keldheim Collector Boosters, because those go for 25 bucks, but you got, you know, some good cards you can pull. Uh, we opened one of those, and that's where we pulled some, definitely some good cards. But uh, then the other game, so you played uh, on Arena. I did play, as I mentioned, the other game I just wanted to mention uh, is I used my Prosper deck, as I mentioned, a couple more times. I played... Uh, Ashton, uh, a kid here that uh, comes to the store, and uh, he first played a goblin deck, which was very similar to mine, but the cool thing is he actually had some cards that I'm going to put into my goblin deck, but uh, kind of the same uh, lesson as the as I mentioned previously, because his goblin deck against my pre-con deck the first game, it, you know, it wasn't even close to fast enough. He was able to create so many, so many goblins early on, and uh, my deck, again, just didn't have any uh, offense to it, but he used Krenko, uh, and uh, a couple things that I took out of it, I actually took a picture is uh, uh, that I'm going to look to add to my Goblin deck is uh, first Rings of Bright, uh, Bright Hearth, which is a three-to-get-out artifact. Uh, whenever you play an activated ability, if, uh, if it isn't a mana ability, you may pay two. If you do copy that ability, you may choose new targets for the copy, so... Uh, he did that uh, with Krinko, so he was able to twice uh, do the ability to double the uh, goblins, the amount of goblins he had in play. So that was uh, something that I'm like, oh, wow, I should get that in my deck. Also, a couple of these I couldn't recall, but uh, I still took a picture of them. Fervor, uh, you know, just uh, creatures you control have in haste. I can't recall if I have that in my deck, so obviously bringing out all those goblins then all have haste. And then uh, Goblin Taskmaster, uh, I believe it was. And he also had a Goblin Junkmaster. I can't remember which one I'm thinking of now, but it's the Goblin where you can sacrifice a Goblin to destroy an artifact. Can't remember if it's Artifact or Enchantment now, but uh, anyways, I was you know that's pretty good, especially for you know in Commander decks and. 
It's probably artifact because uh, Red's Red's known for uh, having artifact destruction. Yeah, yep. So I think that's what it was, and uh, so that's another one I'm going to add. But so then I'm, uh, you know, we both said, yeah, that we, we're going to play a second game. He's going to pull out a different deck. So the next one uh, was uh, Rhinos. He uh, played with and uh, have it here. His uh, uh, was Gired, I believe, or Gired Conclave Exile. Two, then a mountain, forest, and uh, plains. And it's uh, when Gired Conclave Exile enters the battlefield, create a 4 4 green rhino creature token with trample. Whenever Gired attacks, populate. The token enters the battlefield tapped and attacking. Uh, and to populate, create a token that's a copy of a creature token you control. So he's just creating these 4 4 trample. Um, you know, uh, and, and again, with the little amount of offense that this game actually went better with my Prosper deck because I did have a board wipe at one point and uh, was able to survive for a while. But uh, that's the game really where I said this needs some offense or something to at least get rid of his creatures. Uh, the other problem was, and you, you'll probably uh, you'll probably know is uh, what's the it's a artifact uh, or, uh, enchant creature I believe where they can't be targeted by spells or abilities, and he was able to you know move it, uh, and it and then it had uh, I think it could do something else, but either way it ended up where I couldn't kill you know uh, his his commander really because uh, I couldn't target it with okay. anything as well. Was it uh, equipment? Yeah, I believe it was. Because it's probably like Swift Boots or there's a few other equipments that give the creature hexproof. Yeah, but so it kind of made it, uh, you know, I couldn't do much to to stop it. So that's when I realized, you know, I'm going to add some changes or make some changes before this weekend because I'm guessing I'll be playing again this weekend. So at least have a little bit more options or, you know, something I can do. So anyways, that's at least got some games in. Yeah. Yeah, and in my, uh, I'll just kind of go over my Jeskai deck list that I'm playing right now. So I'm actually last, last episode I said uh, I had Firebrand Charger, and it was that little one-one goblin that does the damage equal to its power when it dies. It's actually Fire Blade Charger, so uh, got to get my uh, makeup in for that. We need fact checkers still, but so I have four of them, and then four Maul of the Skyclaves and four of the Halvers got a battle, which. He's the flip card where you have that artifact equipment on the other side where it gets plus two, plus zero, and vigilance. And then when it dies, it returns to your hand. So, And I've noticed a lot of people, because unless you exile it or return it to your hand, when it dies, you can do however much damage to one of their creatures. Because it works good against that Azika's Chariot deck. Because then you know when that dies, you can destroy one of their tokens usually or go to their life total and take off however much life there. And then uh, I also have four Clarion Spirits, where that is when you cast your second spell of each turn, you get a 1-1 White Spirit creature token with flying. And then I have four of the Intrepid Adversaries. So that's a 3-1 White Creature for two mana. And when it comes into play, you can pay a Colorless and a Plains to give each creature plus one, plus one. And you can do that as many times as you can with the mana you have. So usually it's, you know, one or two times, but... It's just been, yeah, it's been working pretty good against the the green decks, the Azika Chariot decks, but uh, is it? It still struggles a little bit because they have those blue bounce spells where they can just return my creatures to my hand and then, you know, kind of loses that benefit of when it dies. So do you, uh, is this standard, did you say, you're playing too? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, as you mentioned, it was, I don't know if that was the last time when they had that big change out. Obviously, the decks, I'm assuming, completely changed over the last few weeks here. Not completely, yeah, but so, a lot of them. Yeah. The funny thing is, the staples in that uh, Is It Dragon deck, so Alarun's Epiphany and Goldspan Dragon, they've all been around for a while in, the, in Standard, so I'm trying to think of what's changed, you know, from the new decks, especially from, like, Innistrad Hunt. I can't remember which ones are in that deck, but played against it a lot. I haven't played it, so I can't remember the cards off the top of my head. I just like to throw in the negates and test of talents because those dang, or uh, all runs epiphany is just so annoying. And uh, you know what I was just realizing what's so crazy is I'm curious if we've recorded now two or maybe three between new magic sets. Because I mean, the next set's coming out in like a couple weeks again. 
the uh, yeah. In a, what is it? Vow in a straight, yeah, yeah, uh, in a straight vow. It's vampires. I think it's kind of the you know werewolves of last time. I think this one's more geared towards vampires. And uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, that I actually do have uh, pre-ordered. And uh, so as you mentioned too, uh, you know we we're going to try and do a tournament at the store. I do have now like uh, probably close to twenty people on my list. So hopefully we'll be doing a, a tournament here uh coming up or at the very least getting people together you know to to play so yeah that's anything else on uh i'll mention i guess it's not magic but it's ccg is just you know for as far as store wise it's been crazy with uh pokemon you know there's so many people that you know collect pokemon so many less that play but uh i mean it is so crazy to get right now i just actually got a bunch of new stuff in the store but one of the new sets was this uh, Celebrations. I can't recall if I mentioned, but I had traded for one of the better cards in the set was a Mew from this Celebrations. I think it's the 25th anniversary. And uh, so it's a gold Mew, which I traded somebody into the store. It's like $73. A lot of people are looking for that. But, uh, you know, they have these different sets where you get a handful of packs, like, a you know, a big card, you know, some special kind of cards. And, and just, you know, they're so hard to get. And so, you know, you can... If you buy them for retail for 15 or 20 bucks, they end up, you know, now they're going for like 40 because everybody wants them. Or they have yeah. these uh, ETBs, which I wish I remembered exactly what it means. But it's like 10 packs in there. There's like a, you know, special card and some other things. It's kind of like the bundles for Magic, but those go for like $90 now. And I mean, they're like doubled in price. But anyway, so I got a lot of this and because uh, I ended up trading somebody that needed some packs and I had a lot of packs I got that uh, I didn't realize were loose packs instead of buying the evolving skies, you know, normal booster box. I got like a hundred and some uh, of these packs. One of them has an Eevee. One of them has a Slowpoke special card and a coin. Anyways, I knew I was never going to get rid of them. He had a bunch of these uh, different sets that people are looking for. So I traded them and it turned into a really good weekend at the store with people looking for uh, certain cards. And a, a guy came in, uh, he was looking for the Charizard, which is like the one that I have from the base set. Uh, it looks, it's just like that, but it's for the celebrations. And he had came in and uh, bought one of those ETBs and a couple other things and came back later. He actually pulled that. So it was kind of cool. He showed me a picture. He pulled the Charizard he was looking for. And then he bought some more. But um, anyways, so yeah, Pokemon has really been uh, starting to uh, really get kind of kind of crazy here. So it's good for the store. And uh, I'm trying to, you know, mention to people to play. So I actually watched... Uh, James, who I mentioned earlier, he was kind of showing me how to play. So someday I'll have to learn how to play. And maybe uh, uh, your daughter can teach us how to play. Yeah, they've been Pokemon crazy right now. So they they got they bring all their cards because I recently just got them uh, uh, trade binders. But uh, them and then a bunch of the kids at their daycare have them, too. So they all they're trading magic cards every day. I'm sure they got some three hundred dollar Pokemon cards we don't know about. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the tough part, too, and then uh, especially with kids because they'll come into the store to want to trade in, but since Pokemon is so much of a collector's game, you know, when you know, the kids will come in, one of them pulled up uh, Pikachu VMAX. I have the pulled the uh, Rainbow one. That's like 217 bucks, but this either way, it was like 15 bucks for a Pikachu VMAX, and he came back into the store a little while later, and he wanted to show me, and he pulled it out of his pocket, you know, he had the cards in his pocket, and I he showed me, and I'm like, oh, I got him a case, a sleeve and a case right away, and so I always try and tell him because uh, the kids, I'm like, you got to make sure to put those, especially the shiny ones, just put the shiny ones in a sleeve because uh, they come back and want to trade them in, and, you know, with, since it's a collector's game with those uh, conditions, everything. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that's all the collectible card game news i have unless you had anything else news worthy i know sometimes you hear some different news uh coming up oh i will mention uh that i did hear uh it sounds like with the next set vow that there's a chance that these the set boosters may not drop with uh i guess i don't know if there's something with wizards where i don't know if they're backed up or what but the set boosters might not be ready for uh pre-release or uh the uh, the release so they could be pushed back so uh, anyways not a huge thing but some people you know that could be a big thing that next set when they're looking forward to that if there's some sort of delays but uh, anyways how about uh, comic books uh, 
I used to, I think you read more than me this time, so I'm gonna let you start off. So with the new the newest X-Men that just came out, I think on the 13th or so, somewhere on there of October. Um it's a Halloween themed one, so it's uh the night before Halloween, which is also called the Devil's Night. The villain, uh Nightmare, he's kinda haunting I'm the nightmare. That's true. So uh back in our uh Backyard wrestling days. Matt was his his uh, stage name was Nightmare. We'll have to get some pictures to put on Instagram of those if we can find them. My sons still have a uh, poster board that I did for a presentation in college of us uh, our backyard wrestling. So help find that. Anyway, the girls. I bet the girls went crazy over that. (laughs) Yeah, we were smart. Yeah. So Nightmare is uh, haunting the X Men dreams. X Men's dreams and. uh, Jean Grey, you know, obviously she has the telepathic abilities and psychic abilities or so she uh she goes into Nightmare's head and just kind of gives him the gives him a flex and shows him, you know, how powerful she can be. Just kick him out of there and he's like, "Well, I'm just going to go haunt the humans then." And she made it very clear like just stay away from here and, and uh, if you come back, you're not going to return pretty much so. Just pretty much threatening to kill him if he uh keeps messing with uh, everyone. That makes sense. So yeah, then after uh, Jean Grey scares him away, it goes to that Fei Long guy. If you remember, he's the one that wants to terraform Mars. They haven't mentioned him too much, so really, like the most of this comic book is kind of irrelevant. It's just kind of like a a Halloween special or whatever. So so it's not part of um, the, not part of canon or whatever or whatever it's called. Or well, it still is, but you know, obviously they just put it in there to have a Halloween theme, and I don't think Nightmare will be back in this timeline. And maybe it was just to show Jean Grey's powers, how powerful she is. But the end of it, the last few pages are where it adds the story. So they show Fei Long launching into space in a spaceship. And then once they get up there, he, uh, in the earlier episodes, he was talking about pretty much adapting his body to live on Mars. He blasts himself with the uh, quartz, a ruby quartz, I think it is. So it's a, the same material that's in cyclops eye visor you know that helps him project his uh energy beam so fei long essentially blasts himself with this stuff to adapt his body to live on mars and then that's where that's where it ends so and it doesn't say if he survived it because it looks pretty brutal you know like this huge energy blast on this guy and he's a human so <laughs> it's like the classic uh i'm gonna go jump in this pile of radiation and see if i can get you know, mutant power, so... Well, if he does survive, we should remember this just in case. Exactly. So stay tuned. <laughs> Another funny thing is, I no- I noticed about this is, in the beginning they show the X-Men all, like, peacefully sleeping, and it's the night before Halloween, and it's also called Devil's Night, so it's like, why were the writers, like, why would they write it that it's peaceful and they're not, like, on the lookout for something bad guys yeah, but- <laughs> on the night before Halloween? It just doesn't... Didn't really make sense. And it I'm probably like, oh. happens every year, to be honest. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, nothing bad can happen tomorrow or tonight, so... I'm, t- I'm telling you, it's when you have, uh, when you've been writing comics about these guys for 40, 50, 60 years, you're gonna run out of stuff to write about. Well, I think I've, I, you know, I like to do this, especially when I read something new, but I, I think I've read the back of this, but I don't care, because I'm still gonna tell everybody anyways about Chu, uh, because I think I've mentioned there's also another Chu spelled differently, which is a sister, which is a new series. So this one came out a while ago, and it won, like, uh, I mean, it won the Eisner Award for Best Continuing Series. It won all kinds of awards. And uh, this is one. Tony Chu is a detective with a secret, a weird secret. Tony Chu is a cybopathic, which means he gets psychic impressions from whatever he eats. It also means he's a hell of a detective. As long as he doesn't mind nibbling on the corpse of a murder victim to figure out who done it and why. He's been brought on by the Special Crimes Division of the FDA. Yes, uh, the FDA is the all-powerful, the most powerful law enforcement agency on the planet to investigate their strangest, sickest, and most bizarre cases. And uh, so this is the first trade paperback, and you know everybody's always talked about you know how good Chu is, and so... Uh, I read, I just uh, read the first issue, I was actually starting on the second, but I mean, I just love the the art in this series, and uh, so in this first episode, or first episode, first issue, it starts off, you see somebody just uh, chopping up food, you know, cooking something, and it it uh, it actually, it says the kind of soup, and it, it comes back later in the issue, it says, uh, 
Prologue, slow simmered shredded chicken, vegetable, and three bean soup. And you see this guy cutting stuff up and he, you know, nicks his finger and uh, he's bleeding and, you know, he still just grabs the carrots or whatever and, you know, blood all over him and throws them into the, the soup. And so uh, later in the issue, Tony's, uh, they're on a stakeout because in this world, chicken is outlawed. Chicken is like crack. Uh, there's it's black market. And so they're on a stakeout of this uh, chicken place where you can get chicken because of the uh it was outlawed because of uh the bird flu <laughs> so chickens outlawed and uh these guys that's their main job at this time and so anyways they end up uh uh being told that leave these guys alone this uh this the people they're staking out is now an enforcer or an enforcer an informant for the fda and so they said just go have a nice meal in there because it's a chicken joint you just can't get chicken anymore so but Tony, he doesn't want to eat anything because whatever he eats, he ends up seeing some crazy stuff anywhere all the way back to, you know, where that plant came from. Or, you know, it shows in there a picture of you eat beef. It shows like a really bloody picture of a guy slamming a big uh, sledgehammer on a cow's head. You know, he gets all the feelings from, you know, that the food. So the only thing he can eat is beets. And I think it's like so he's at the store. It shows him eating canned beets and he eats a lot of beets. Anyway, so he ends up in this restaurant, and uh, his partner is uh, orders all this chicken and mashed potatoes and stuff, and and he ends up ordering a, uh, a that the soup that was mentioned at the beginning, you know, thinking he didn't want to you know eat anything crazy, he's just going to get some of this soup. Well, little does he know that blood's in there, and all of a sudden he gets this two a two page spread of all this crazy stuff. He sees everything you know that happened with this uh, soup. And all of a sudden, the person, and I don't think I can be spoiling, this is an old enough comic, is a, a serial killer who's killed, like, 13, like, children or people. I can't remember if it's children or people, but... And uh, because he sees all this stuff, because that guy cut himself, and he tells his partner this, and a lot of crazy stuff happens. I won't uh, say everything, but he ends up, uh, at the end of the issue, he's brought in. The FDA needs somebody like him in his special abilities. I will say that the... I guess I will say that the serial killer... He, uh, they end up catching, you know, he, he gets so much of it because of that blood in the soup. So he needs more. So like it said on the back, he literally, you know, he wants to find out the names of the rest of, it was children. I think the rest of the children, cause he only got a few of the children's name off of that much blood. So when the guy's dead in the alley, he jumps on top and he's taking bites of them. And then he's able to go to his boss and, you know, say these names and they're like what you know how the heck do you know this stuff you know and why were you eating a victim in an alley because two other cops walked up on him you know and they're going to take his badge everything and then the the fda guy bursts in and says nope you know he's going to be with us and so then it goes on for like 60 issues of this psychopathic guy who can uh you know solve crimes by eating people or crazy things so yeah. Man, I think we're gonna have to change our uh, our rating to not for kids. <laughs> I, when when I first started the podcast on Podbean, which is what we use for distribution and hosting and stuff, I put yes, it's for kids, <laughs> but maybe not. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we put? Uh, is there like a like a PG thirteen or something? There's the two, just like the two options, like for adults or for kids, essentially. So. Yeah, I don't know Anyways. how that works. So yeah, it's a comic book, you know. Come on, it's a comic book. Uh, but yeah, don't eat people, you know. You won't get their special abilities by blasting yourself with a ruby quartz, or if you start eating people. So the, my, I've changed my lifestyle to recently, and the thing I always say, I mean, just it, just in general, if you're gonna do something, just think. If I do this, am I a dick? Just don't be a dick, and you're good. Just let involve that bundles in everything, including eating people. That's our PSA. Awesome. We got to change it again because you said dick. Well, we got to <laughs> change it. <laughs> this is not going well. All right. Anyways, what did you read next? Let's get back to some milk toast stuff instead of eating yeah. people. Some good, good milk toast stuff. Not so morbid. Yeah. yeah I got yeah. the the rebels fighting Boba Fett and Valance and the Huts trying to take down the Empire. Yeah. This this is milk toast as you can get. So easy. <laughs> Easy to digest. So hopefully this is where the kids pick back up and start listening again. Not as easy to digest as that uh, bad guy. No, yeah. Anyway, so this is issue five of War of the Bounty Hunter. So it's actually the last issue. So these are 
I think Star Wars is going to be, well, Marvel with Star Wars is going to be doing these short runs of different storylines. So this one will, this one concludes the Boba Fett trying to get Han Solo back. And at the end of the last issue, you remember Baku the Hut brought the big armada of uh, the Huts or whatever, and they were trying to get their prize back because they bid the most on Han Solo. And the Empire, I don't think they knew that Darth Vader just took Han, so they're like, why are the Huts doing this? They're all confused, and they said, you know, send off some warning shots. They sent out some TIE fighters, and that's how it starts off. And then it cuts to Darth Vader still chasing Luke. Well, Luke is just trying to keep get Darth Vader away from the Star Destroyer where Han is being transported to. So you have Boba Fett and Valance, and then you have the Rebels, and then the Huts all trying to get on the Starship. Or the Star Destroyer. And I think the nickname was Executioner. So oddly enough, they let Boba Fett, because he had an old uh, code that was, it's still checked out. So they let Boba Fett and uh, Valance on, and they started sneaking around trying to figure out where Han was. The Rebels actually got boarded too. Someone from Crimson Dawn was aboard that ship, and then they let the Rebels on too. And they kind of said something about like, I've been with Han when he made the Kessel Run in 14 parsecs, or whatever the whole thing is. So... That's when Lando realized it was Kira. I don't know if you ever seen the Han Solo movie yet. Nope. What? Come on, man. It's too milk toast for you. I will talk about something I am going to watch, though. That's pretty. I mean, it's milk toast, I guess. But anyways, that's for later. Kira got the the rebels on board. So now everyone's pretty much racing to go find Han Solo first, and that's when the huts start firing because the Empire wasn't taking them seriously. So they start firing at the the Star Destroyer. Vader didn't want to be interrupted for anything because he was chasing Luke through the through outer space, through a galaxy far away. And he's like, only bother me if the uh, Palpatine says so himself. Once the Huts start firing on the actual Star Destroyer, that's when Vader turns back around. You know, the Huts got to pay now. So he, he gets on board and he pretty much kills all the, all the Huts. So Valance and Boba Fett, you know, they were... They were kind of tag teaming it to get to Han Solo first because they both wanted it. And then they both agreed that when the time comes, they're going to have to figure out who gets them. And one of them's you know, going to be- betray the other. So anyways, that moment comes and then uh, Boba Fett throws a thermal grenade at Valance and blows him up. And he's a cyborg, so he's kind of dead, but kind of not. And then once the huts are firing on the ship, they blow a big hole and Han Solo falls out. Boba Fett's the only one with the rocket pack, so he he ends up getting them and bringing them back to Jabba the Hutt. And Jabba's like, oh, yeah, I knew you could do it. Boba Fett's like, uh, you had a bounty on me. And Jabba's like, oh, I knew that. You know, I knew you were going to come through, so and I canceled the bounty. You're good to go. So and then it ends with Kira. They don't really say it, but it's pretty obvious that it was Kira. This whole tussle between the Empire and the Huts was all part of Crimson Dawn's plan to kind of get conflict between them. Kira's like, the Don has come, await the reins. So yeah, the next storyline of this, of these Star Wars Marvel uh, storylines will be the Crimson Reign. So that one's on sale in December, so. After the end uh, run like that, there'll probably be a trade of that. And then, yeah, so December will be the, the next one. What, uh, I think you might have said this, but, and maybe I should know, because I honestly, I mean, I've seen you know, Star Wars, the first ones. And, you know, I saw the ones, you know, we were high schoolers. I still have a Darth Maul, like, 12-inch figure in the package upstairs at the store here. But uh, I can't remember it all. Why do they all want Han so bad? Oh, just because he's he's wronged a lot of people. So that's why, you know, in this first, that first issue of this series, Crimson Don, you know, Kira invited everyone to come and bid on him. And they were all saying, like, oh, Han... Did me wrong, essentially. So they all wanted to get him. To torture him and stuff, maybe? Pretty much. Um, Jabba offered to for Boba Fett to stay there with him, and he could see the agony on Han's face every day of his life, you know, until <laughs> for however many years, you know, for however long. So I think, I, I don't know if I've asked you this, you know, you have a dog in that fight. Who's your favorite of all those, you know? Yeah, you did ask me. It's Luke Skywalker, duh. How, milk, how much more milk toast can I get? See, like, I get interested more in the villains. I always do of any of this stuff. Or even, like, when I watch wrestling. I, I never could like the face, you know? I, it's just too milk toast and boring. I like the bad guys. Well, it's funny, because, so, this will say how old we are, but I was born in 83, so that was when 
uh, episode six came out, right? Because it started four, five, six. So anyways, like it was the height of Star Wars mania and Luke Skywalker and Luke, I am your father. And, you know, my parents named me Luke, but they, they, they didn't watch Star Wars then. And I don't even know if they still even seen it. So it's just funny that, oh, like you were named Luke after Luke Skywalker. It's more of probably a, a biblical one. <laughs> so a little different. But we got to, you know, we got to change up the, the vibe because let's get back to some more like the blood and guts because... Back to the, the rated R stuff, kids. Yeah. Turn off your yeah, turn so, off the podcast. Have you watched Z Nation? Is that with uh, Brad Pitt? Isn't there a movie? What movie? Or World War Z. So no, I have not seen Z Nation. I keep getting these movies mixed up too. Z Nation is uh, does have the guy. Remember back? So this is uh, this is definitely an inside thing. I don't know. Maybe if you remember the movies, we could make it an outside thing. But remember the guy that uh, everybody said I looked like? I think he jumped up on a table. What movie was he from? Really skinny guy. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> That's what I look like. I get that I look like Nicholas Cage, but no. Uh, he jumps up on a table and dances in that movie. He's on road trip. Uh, he gets up and dances to It's Trip to Rock Around, you know. that He's up on... Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. That guy is uh, in the actual show Z Nation. He's Citizen Z, who's, like, alive at this outpost and is able to broadcast over the broadband radio i think you know and he's kind of works with them in the show anyways that has nothing to do with this but z nation the show i loved it uh, i watched i think it was like five seasons but i have watched the whole thing and now they have the black summer on netflix which i started i just we got busy moving so i do want to watch black summer and this is based on black summer so this is uh this trade paperback i picked up is z nation sea of death and uh so this is a prequel set in the world of sci-fi and asylums Number one scripted hit zombie series, Z Nation. Black Summer is a, as bad as the apocalypse gets. A worldwide drought and famine when most of the surviving population dies and turns zombie. So this is a gear into it. You know, we're running out of food, so it gets even worse. So they called it Black Summer. And as the remnants of humanity cling to existence, uh, fan favorite Charles Garnett, so he's from the actual show, returns to send a new team of a des- on a desperate new mission. Retrieve a possibly untouched cache of the food substitute Soylent Z from Galveston, Texas. So, uh, yeah, it has, uh, you know, the one of the main guys uh, from early on in the show, Z Nation. Uh, he's leading a group of uh, they're Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, there's some people, you know, uh, living still on the base and they're running out of food during black summer. And so there's this uh, I can't remember. It's called Milnet, I think, or something. I don't know if it's military. And there's there was a notification of this Soylent Z, which is a it's like a powder that uh, can um, you know be turned into food, and it's like through the government, so like just a little bit of it can feed a lot of people. But so they have they're gonna go try and get that, but they said you know it's probably not just military that's listening to these waves anymore. So you know they know it's gonna be bad, so they send this team to find this stuff. And the thing about Z Nation, it was always the best. I mean. I, I mean, I highly recommend it if you like, I mean, it's a zombie thing, but they're, you know, it's not like slow, boring zombies. I mean, they're fast, crazy, all different types of zombies they have. Uh, and just crazy stuff happens. You know, there's uh, uh well, just in this, there's a zombie uh, cows. There's a stampede of zombie cows. Like on the show at one point, they're in Wisconsin and there's this massive thing of cheese that uh, ends up rolling downhill and it's uh, smashing zombies that stick to it as they go. I don't know. So stuff happens in crazy ways, and that's how this is. And it's a sea of death because when they go down to get this Soylent Z, it's uh, it's in at the port in Galveston, Texas, and uh, there's this massive cruise ship that's there, and uh, the, there's four people in our group. Two of them get taken out by these harpoon guns, and then like the two main characters, you know, survive. But uh, they uh, they kind of. They, they take off running because they don't want to obviously, you know, get shot too. But then they have to circle back. They got to complete the mission. So they're watching as these people who shot their guys take this Soylent Z. And they're looking on their through the binoculars and they they're in like these jumpsuits. They think they're like Navy or something. Well, they're actually from a cruise ship. <laughs> they're they're like the workers from a cruise ship. And now they're they have this massive ship and they're like pirates out on the sea. Pretty much. Anyways, all this stuff happens out on the see is they're trying to get this Soylent Z there's uh, a, a funny thing or a cool thing uh, this other ship heard about it too called the Steve 
I don't know why yet, but it's called the Steve. And uh, they, you know, they have like a army ship, but I, and I don't think they're army, but they uh, they put guys. Uh, so they have the zombies where they have them like tied up and stuff around the neck. You know, they're holding these zombies and uh, they use them as weapons because the, some of these guys go on these. Uh, uh, what do they call that? Uh, like when you jump out of a plane, you know, oh, parachutes, they go on these parachutes that they have on this army ship. And then they have below them, they have like a handful of zombies that are tied onto this. So then they they somehow send them, you know, sailing into the air and they go over this cruise ship. And then as they're above the cruise ship, they hit a thing to detach and the zombies fall on board. And uh, so that's how they got these zombies on board to start causing some trouble. But uh, anyways, it's uh, then, you know, they're they're fighting over this Soylent Z. And uh, you, you think uh, the, the Steve is going to take over? At this point, they get some of the Soylent Z. Well, uh, the the guy who's actually the the leader of the cruise ship pirate guys, he's smarter than he looks. Because at the end of the issue, I uh, just finished. I think it was the third issue of six. Uh, he gives them some of the Soylent Z. Spoiler of what's coming up, but you know, it's like everybody's like, why? You know, pretty much, why did you give into this? And you know. Uh, you know, really, they're probably just going to come do it again. But he's he actually just gave it to him, and he, you know, they had raided already some stocks of ammunitions and things, and he pretty much said, "I knew they weren't. They were going to be out of weapons soon because we stole the stashes from a lot of the different ports." So he knew that they were just all talk, and uh, he outsmarted them by just saying, "You know what? I'll just give you like a third of this Soylent Z. Let's just no more bloodshed." It seemed like it was all good. Well, then it shows him at the end with a detonator. And he detonates and it, you know blows up the entire the Steve and uh, and he's like peasants and then the two main characters are now stuck on board with these crazy cruise ship pirates uh, still so uh, that's about halfway through the Z Nation Sea of Death but uh, yeah it's just over the top kind of zombie fun you know it's not as serious as in many ways and uh, yeah so I'll finish that before. Uh, Hopefully before we before episode thirteen, but so that's uh, a six issue run or what? Yeah, it was just like a special, uh, you know, like a just a kind of standalone, but based off the series. Uh, so yeah, I picked it up. I was curious about uh, comics of Z Nation, so I remember when I finished the series, I wanted more. So I found this, and I've had it for a while. So I'm just oh, reading. Nice. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's. Those are, that's all for me for reading. Did you read anything else? Yeah, like I said in the intro, I got the the Deathstroke ink. So when I was when I was at uh, Granite City Comics the other day picking up X Men and Star Wars, I noticed I just like to look to see you know what else is coming out because I'm not I don't pay attention to too much of that. But I saw Deathstroke ink number one, and I've always thought Deathstroke was one of the coolest comic book characters there is. I'm obviously more of a Marvel fan than DC, but Deathstroke's always been one of the coolest uh, comic book characters. So anyways, I picked it up. Yeah, it's got the classic Deathstroke. Well, I'm guessing is what, because I haven't read any other Deathstroke comic books, but, you know, he's got a Gatling gun in this one. He's, you know, blowing up a ton of people. And actually Black Canary is kind of like his sidekick in this or vice versa. Uh, But both of them are working for this. I don't know if it's a corporation or what but it's a uh, trust t-r-u-s-t so and then it's like acronym for transparent research united for strategy and technology but they're not very transparent because they're just using and this is a spoil spoiler alert obviously it's a pretty new comic book so if you're going to read this just stop listening for a little bit they're basically using deathstroke and black canary to what deathstroke and black canary think they're like you know saving the world from all these villains because they're tasked to take down like some of the bigger villains in the dc universe so they this first issue is i think it's like hive so it's the main villain was can like make honey and was like get getting a bunch of worker bees work you know bee drones essentially and so black canary and deathstroke went to this peaceful village where it showed a bunch of humans walk around and like this very nice quaint you know white picket fence houses and everything but it's just like a you know a lab for this lady to get the worker bees and drones to you know whatever take over the world. 
So they go and they take that out and capture the the main villain, pretty much a B person, a B, I don't know. It it reminded me of us. Who's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Stockman? Bar- oh yeah. Ba- yeah, uh, ba- Baxter Stockman. Baxter Stockman, yeah, reminded me of him. But anyways, at the end, it shows the people at trust. So like the main lady, kind of talking like, "Oh, they did great. You think they're gonna catch on? They're using Deathstroke and Black Canary to go capture these big villains. To then in turn, trust is experimenting on them and torturing them. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, it was uh, I like the art, and it's pretty colorful, a little gritty. Like with the with the penciling, but yeah, I liked it. Are you gonna? So you're are you saying is it on your pull list or do you have a pull list? I don't have a pull list yet, but I I'll, I'd probably put this one, the X Men, and then that the the Star Wars series. The nice thing for you though is when you go to the office, you're like a block over from Granite City Comics. So yeah, so yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but. Uh... All right. Well, I think that's what we read. I I, I do want to, if we go into the kind of, you know, what we watched, what we played right away, just because it goes with this. Uh, it's not uh, too much of what I watched. I just started it. But I'm going to say, Luke, you should check out and we should talk about the next uh, recording. I recorded. I just happened to see uh, it's uh, was on Comedy Central Adult Swim Batman The Long Halloween. And that's a new uh, Batman animated uh, movie. And, you know, Batman, whenever they do animated cartoons or whatever, are just awesome. So it's actually two, uh, was it two two-hour or two three-hour recordings? I think two two. Either way, it's like four. I think it's two two-hour. But uh, so, you know, I mean, it's probably a three-hour movie. But uh, anyways, it's on Adult Swim. And uh, I'll just read a little synopsis. I mean, so... The Long Halloween was, uh, well, it actually says it in this, so I'll just read the thing. So it says, inspired by the iconic mid-90s DC story from Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 begins as a brutal murder on Halloween, prompts Gotham's young vigilante, the Batman, to form a pact with the city's only two uncorrupted lawmen, Police Captain James Gordon and District Attorney Harvey Dent, in order to take down the Roman, head of the notorious and powerful Falcone crime family. But when more deaths occur on Thanksgiving and Christmas, it becomes clear that instead of the ordinary gang violence, they're also dealing with a serial killer, the identity of whom with each conflicting clue grows harder to discern. Few cases have ever tested the wits of the world's greatest detective like the mystery behind the holiday killer. So, I think it's something, uh, yeah, if you can find it, Luke, you should watch it. We should review the Batman Long Halloween uh, there's two parts, and it's on, like I said, Comedy Central Adult Swim. Uh, so if you can find that, we should review that next time. You have to check that out. It doesn't sound like I can watch it with my son, who would probably be pumped to watch it. But yeah, yeah, no, it's right away. I so I started it before I actually left for the office today, uh, and like right away, like, you know, there's this uh, big, big burly dude who's obviously from the Falcone family. As I'm reading this, I I, had, I didn't even read it before I watched it. Uh, he's nice getting a nice soak in a hot tub and uh, he's just laying back in the tub and somebody creaks open the door and you hear two uh, muffled bullet shots and then you see the water starting to turn red and you know his head hanging out of the pool and so yeah it was a uh, it's Batman you know it, uh, in the animated shows and that's why I think it's on Adult Swim so uh, I don't remember what it was rated but it looked good so yeah let's review that next time oh also I was gonna yeah I was gonna bring up that uh me and Matt have talked about our hockey teams, college hockey teams, uh, Mankato State Mavericks and the St. Cloud State Huskies. And right now it's the St. Cloud State Huskies is number one in the nation. So Oh, they are. Jeez, yeah. I saw Mankato drop down. Yeah, I think Mankato was three. Um, but uh, They were inactive last weekend, I think, so that kind of hurts too. But Well, in our bet, my team ended up scoring more points, so I should have won that. And then we totally forgot about we, that. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we didn't uh, specify goals number of goals though as a tiebreaker. So yeah, it was just a. It was a wash because they split in their series in the first week in October, I think it was. But so you said uh, Madden. What's what did you think of the new Madden? I liked it. Um, they kind of switched. I you know like the do they call it the next gen move or whatever the new. The new movements on it were seemed a little slower, but also I think that will kind of help 
because on the last Madden, you could like if you got had a fast middle linebacker or a fast uh, safety, even you could kind of just cover so much of the field where it was kind of you know impossible to do in real life, obviously. So yeah, I mean, I started playing on all Madden right away, and I started a franchise with the Buffalo Bills, of course. <laughs> My first game, I promptly threw like four picks with Josh Allen because I still. So- trying to get used to it and running and passing and stuff. But uh, so obviously like a, a poor sport, I quit that game and restarted it. And then, well, of course, rage quit. Now I've won like three in a row. So, so is, I mean, could you, you know, people were complaining is the main complaint that it's just the same thing, you know, pretty much like every year. Is that the main complaint? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's always like just update the rosters and you know, the graphics, if you can, I mean, the graphics, obviously on PlayStation five, it would look way better. I'm sure, but I still have a, PlayStation 4 like a peasant. <laughs> so, and the franchise was the thing that I always liked the best and that's supposed to be really updated. So, I'll I'll probably yep. be getting it here soon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. The big part is Madden fans always love the franchise, but they've been paying attention to the Madden Ultimate team so much that, you know, the franchise was kind of left in in the background, but now they're starting to pay more attention to it. So, and from what I've they switched the layout a little bit, so it's kind of hard to find like even where to go start the game because it like takes you through the progress of re- um, practice, scouting, and practice. everything, and upgrading your character. So, but yeah, well, in uh, interest of time, I want to talk about uh, one other thing just because it'll probably be done by the time uh, this airs. So, I wanted to look at more Kickstarters. This is not a Kickstarter; it's on GameFound, but it's a local company to us, Luke and I, here in Minnesota. Uh, called Chip Theory Games, and they have their game, which I have all of the ones that are out now, uh, called Too Many Bones. And I'll just do a quick read. Uh, Too Many Bones is an acclaimed series of games built around a unique dice builder RPG mechanic. In each game of Too Many Bones, one of four players put themselves in the shoes of a totally unique, resourceful fantasy adventure called a Gearlock. Playing solo or cooperatively, the Gearlocks must seek out and defeat one of the tyrants threatening the Gearlock homeland of Daylor. Each day of the journey throughout Daylor, the Gearlocks will be faced with unique encounters that force them to make strategic decisions to build their characters. Gearlocks become more powerful throughout the adventure, unlocking the use of their 16 skill dice as they move closer and closer to the final battle. Build your character carefully. The baddies and tyrants of Too Many Bones are wily creatures with a number of unique skills as well. By the end of your adventure, you'll have a bevy of upgrades and options to help you attempt to defeat your chosen tyrant, ultimately yielding success or failure. And uh, so it's the cool thing about it is it's just the quality, man. It's by far the best quality game I've ever owned. I think that it comes with a bunch of dice that are just awesome. When you play board games, having all those dice and they have different symbols and that, you know, to create these different skills for each character. They come with awesome neoprene uh, play mats, like super high quality with your character sheets, and then you add dice to them. Um, but it's just an awesome, uh, awesome game. And this this new one's called Too Many Bones Unbreakable, and it's on GameFound. And uh, it's the cheapest you'll get it, but I highly recommend it. And there's videos and reviews if you go on GameFound and look up Too Many Bones Unbreakable. And uh, yeah, so check that out. And uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, Luke, because I haven't for a while, but there's uh, some listeners out there that are interested in our arcade system that we put some videos up of playing NBA Jam. Uh, also, when we open those packs, if you go to creative-arcades.com and use the promo code Hobby Shop Talk, you can get your own custom arcade system. And there's a ton of different ones, different styles of arcade systems and tons of games. So. Yeah, we played some NBA Jam, and it only took us, like, uh, Luke and AJ maybe six, seven, eight times to win. Tyler. Tyler, sorry. Oh, he's going to be pissed. Sorry, Tyler. Also, we haven't I mentioned them. AJ. We also haven't mentioned them this podcast yet, so shout yeah, out to well, Tyler and AJ. Yeah, stop looking like each other as you as well, Luke. Well, it's good for me because I'm, I'm seven and a half years older than AJ and, like, 16 years older than Tyler, so... Anyways, yeah, so uh, the, anything else in our last uh, minutes here, Luke, that you wanted to mention? No, Tyler Tyler keeps saying he wants to buy Catan from you, so you might have to give him a little discount or something, or make him work at the shop so he can get it. Well, if you go to shoptheprairie.com, one of my other businesses, uh, you get 10% off board games if you have that coupon. And I just, uh, speaking of go. the shop, I'll just mention I got a ton of new stuff, so it'll be fun over the next month. Because I was worried about shipping times, I ordered 
uh, like four grand worth of stuff, mostly new products. So I have like eight new, probably more than that, ten new board games. I put pictures on uh, my Facebook, Prairie Hobbies and Games, and I've got a bunch more coming tomorrow and just a bunch of other stuff over the next month. So I don't know where I'm going to put it all, but uh, the store is going to be bursting at the seams uh, by Thanksgiving. Are they all waiting in uh, cargo ships out in uh, California Bay? Yeah, I don't know, but I was told uh, if you didn't order soon here, you might not get your stuff, uh, you know, by especially by Thanksgiving, but even by Christmas, you know, so. And come to Prairie Hobbies and Games because I have gift cards now, too. So anyways, yeah, go to creative-arcades.com and use Hobby Shop Talk or come to Prairie Hobbies and Games in Long Prairie, Minnesota. Otherwise, this was episode 12 of the Hobby Shop Talk podcast. And, you know, I got lots of games. Luke's got more games. So just, you know, go find a game and just uh, play it. 